Love it. Welcome to The Music Reel. I'm your host, Nicola Burton. Today I'm speaking with one of Australia's biggest music festivals, General Managers. So we've got Jesse Parker here from St. Jerome's Laneway Festival. Jesse, it's a pleasure to meet you today. A pleasure to meet you as well. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, I really wanted to hear your story. It's such an iconic festival. You've been in festivals for a long time. So let's start with, um, it's a one day, anyone goes to a festival, it's one day for them. But for you, it's about 365 days before they even get to that festival. So let's talk about 2021. What's that looking like for you guys? Is it going to happen? And I guess the elephant in the room is what are the considerations for the whole COVID safe things now you've got to consider? I mean, it's a it's going to take a mammoth effort to get events up and running over the summer due to a number of different factors. And because we're a touring festival as well, and we're trying to obviously get shows up all around Australia, um, it's to take into consideration all of the different restrictions state by state has been a really difficult process so far. Um, and, and obviously it's constantly changing every week. And so you start making plans, but you've always got at the back of your mind that things could change so quickly and turn around and we could go back into lockdown next week. We just, we're not sure. And so we are ready to go in a sense that we would love to have festivals up and running by the summer, but it's just a really difficult thing to try and underwrite because we can't get insurance to cover ourselves. And as soon as we make that call to say we're going ahead, that means 50% payments for artists, 50% payments for suppliers. And then if we're called off a month, even two months out, that's a huge, that's a 100% profit loss, <laughs> really. And there's a lot of the, the COVID regulations that we're looking at to try and plan around, they're very much... Uh, centered to a time and place too so even if you are planning a backup date your festival could look completely different by the time that backup date rolls around <laughs> so yeah so what, so what I mean that's think about that I mean what a head spin that is for anyone who's in business having to plan ahead without any certainty when everything can change I mean it almost seems impossible when you think about it and kudos to anyone who's in the festival industry You've, you've always had to deal with incredible, you know, big changing, shifting sands all the time. And now it's just an enormous task. I want to actually mention to everyone watching this, your festival raised an enormous amount of money this year for the bushfire appeal, like incredible. And, you know, our industries will put our hand up when things go wrong and say, all right, how can we help? Right now we need help, right? We need some help. So let's talk about government assistance because it sounds like you guys are going to need a little bit more assistance. We've got the RISE fund, obviously, but what else can the government do to help you, I guess, with the uncertainty that you've just articulated and I guess all of the other considerations that a festival manager has to really include in their plan? Mm -hmm. I think the there's two main things that the government could do. Uh, one is give us some surety around uh, job seeker and job keeper and extending those until our industry is at a point where we know we can go ahead and people can start making an income again. Because even if job keeper is, is taken off the table by March next year, if we can't get events up over summer, many industry professionals rely on that summer season to actually make a big chunk of their income for the year. So you're taking out the summer season, you're getting rid of job keeper in March 
many people aren't even going to be able to find events work for the whole winter season again. So it just, it feels very preemptive to just take it away at that date without any consideration to how our timelines work and what sort of, um, I guess, season we're working with. We're a, we're a cyclical business model. It's not like we make an income all year round and every few months, it's sort of like you get a big chunk. And that's it's this, and it works the same for many contractors. I've been a events contractor for 10 years now and you make what you do back-to-back -back shows all summer and that kind of sustains you through those quieter months. So that would be great as, as one thing to do is, is not make the, that a cutoff date um, and also make the means testing, ask the right questions. <laughs> that would be nice so that many people in our industry are eligible for the funding. And the other thing they could do is um, possibly underwrite our events to some degree. If we can't get insurance, if we could possibly rely on the government to say, we'll insure you for... 50% of your event, then that's the type of business model where you see instant results because that means we can get back to business. We can start paying people and we can move ahead with planning and start resourcing things adequately. But right now we're in this stop and go of, oh, should we do it? Should we not? Oh, there's new cases coming up. It's still illegal to have mass gatherings in many of the states right now. <laughs> we can't even get across borders at the moment. So what do you do trying to move artists around? It's not really feasible for every artist to be quarantining for two weeks when they're moving to a show. Exactly. And I think, Jesse, it's a great point. So two things you've talked about, maintaining JobKeeper for the people that can't work because of the government restrictions. Not like you don't want to work, you actually can't. And then the most important one, secondly, is for the government to partner with you. I think that's probably an incredibly wise thing because we are facing this extinction level event and people look at us like we're an acceptable collateral damage, but we're not. We, we have mortgages, we have families, we have small business and through no fault of our own, can we actually go and do the work that everybody else can go back to work to? So I think, um, Jesse, that's a really great idea. Um, in terms of a call to action to get that to happen, do you think that as an industry, we've got the ability to connect, collaborate and actually take that to the government and get some sort of action to happen so we are supported in that, I guess, additional way? I would like to think so. I mean, we're incredibly resilient and uh, full of intelligent, ambitious people in this industry, <laughs> a lot of them women, which is <laughs> also wonderful to work with. And there are some really amazing voices that are advocating for us. The Australian Festival Association, uh, Julia Robinson, she's doing incredible things and opening those channels of communication to government. It's, it is just tough trying to get the message across uh, to the right people who really understand where we're coming from and what our timelines are and what that kind of thing would mean to us. I mean, just to go back to funding, the, the RISE funding is, it's great that the, the government is putting something towards us, but in a way it's a little bit cut before the horse because they're asking us to come up with projects that we have no certainty that we'd actually be able to roll out, particularly when you're trying to come up with projects in a COVID safe environment that's constantly changing. So it's sort of like we can come up with the ideas. That's not a problem. But if you're determining what's worthy of funding based on those ideas, it feels a little backwards. <laughs> 100% because I'd like to see someone working in the government 
being able to work under these conditions. They simply wouldn't be able to do it. And as you say, we are the creative beasts that typically work outside of the box and come up with solutions, but we can't do that if, you know, things are changing. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, the economic impact aside, let's look at the people, the village that actually make this happen. For every single person that's on stage, there's a couple of hundred people behind the stage making it happen. Particularly with a festival, it has to be a family. Mm-hmm. How is your team faring and how are they feeling? And I'm talking crew, production, all the people that we can't work with that. How are they going? Look, it's, it's, uh, it's been really tough for a lot of them and it makes it a little bit tougher for me because I got this job, I took on this role in March just before we went into lockdown. And so uh, I've worked for the festival in various capacities for almost 10 years now. Uh, so I know the festival through and through and have worked a, a whole bunch of other ones as well. And you just, you come across the same faces and it really is like a family and they're your mentors, they're your support, they're they're everything to you because you're working in such intense environments under huge time constraints and you're all there working towards something that's so much bigger than yourself and I think everyone really feels that and so I'm just I'm trying to be supportive to them but there's often not a lot you can say because there's just not a huge amount of good news at the moment which is unfortunate and everyone is is coping as best they can um I mean some silver linings I've spoken to a lot of people who said this is I've actually spent a whole bunch of time with my family after being on tour for 10 years straight. So uh, small little silver lining out of it. Um, But at the same time, we're all drawn to this industry because we absolutely love it and we love to work. We don't want to sit around waiting for something out of our control to say, all right, you can do it again now. So it's, um, yeah, I think just... It's really nice to see people coming together and I think if, if I could give anyone advice is just keep calling your friends, keep chatting to them, <laughs> keep talking to them and, and think about the good times because we know we'll get that back there at some point and it might look a little different. But, um, yeah, I really hope to see all those faces again. Keep that conversation going, as you say, because, like, the hallmarks of good, strong mental health are connection, collaboration and celebration. And that's what you do in a festival. You're, you're bringing people together to celebrate, you know, whatever it is. And we can't do that. So we've got to find other ways to stay connected. And anyone who works behind the scenes in a festival, I hope that you're listening and knowing how much we in the industry, we couldn't do it without you. Mm-hmm. And we really want you guys to survive. So keep those conversations going. Keep calling each other. Keep staying connected because that's all we really can do. Hey, Jesse, just stay connected. Absolutely. And I mean, people have been gathering together to celebrate music and dancing together in crowds for since humanity began, really. So I I don't think it is something that is going to go away anytime soon. And you can see why people are so drawn to it. And the feeling you get walking through the festival gates or standing sort of side of stage, looking out at a crowd and seeing how much they're enjoying it just constantly trying to get back to that feeling. I think that's going to get us all through. I really hope so. I hope so too. Look, Jesse, I've got everything crossed for you guys for next year. Look, it's an enormously challenging situation, but I think you guys will actually get through it really well because when you're a festival producer, you are faced with craziness the entire time. So you're well equipped to deal with this. So 
Jesse, thank you so much for talking to me today. Everyone, stay connected to what these guys are doing. It's an important festival in our Australian calendar. Very important. Stay connected. Stay safe and let, take care. Thank you, Jesse. Thanks so much, Nikki.